Okay, so I just woke up from this interesting vision. I was at this museum or something on a field trip. And I didn't even know these girls or this teacher. Like, I didn't even know I was in school. All I know is we're on our way to possibly to get back on the bus or get on the bus for the trip. And the teacher said, everybody get your coats. It was cold outside. And I had the key to my locker, but I didn't, like, I, did, I wasn't going to have enough time to get my coat. I don't want to be cold. Like, I saw myself with a vest on and a hoodie underneath, but I knew my arms was going to freeze, and that was not enough. So I wanted to get my coat on my way to the elevator. The teacher was like, no, nobody's getting coats. Nobody's going to the locker. You know, it's going to be consequences if you don't listen. And on my way, there was these girls. And... They said something. They said something along the lines of, like, they just said something that just triggered me. And when they said it, it's like, these girls, they was like, it was kind of cool, but whatever it is they said, I didn't appreciate it. Like, I wasn't going to say anything because... Like, I'm learning patience, and I'm learning, like, to avoid arguments and fights and just stuff like that. Simple, Like, simple stuff like that where I'm trying to allow Jesus to guide me into a better attitude about things. So that I don't deal with extra added issues. But all I know was... All I, all I know is in my heart, what I thought was, like... But you're short. But I didn't even say it. But I was just like. But you're like. You're. I said something. And and the girl like it seemed like she was cool. You know like she was. She was probably my friend at first. But or for a second. But when she said that I was just like. I don't like your attitude. But. Um, I went to go get. I went to the locker. And and I saw her face. Her face was kind of like, why aren't we cool? Or, or something like that. She didn't understand. And I was like, this feeling usually is associated with, like, judgmental people. Or just people who are just, who just say stuff that's just, like, putting other people down. And not being self-aware. You know, you should never say anything about nobody else when... Someone can say something about you, you know. But I'm learning too, so I'm. That's why I'm like checking myself. Like you know, I'm not perfect. Sometimes stuff fly in my mouth, you know. I don't mean so. I wasn't going to make it a big deal, but it did, you know, frustrate me a little. What was said, and then she had like a couple girls with her, which it wasn't being made a big deal, but it just felt like it's like. 
all I can all I can really remember about it is like it was like a I'm better than you attitude. I was just like I didn't make a big deal out of it, but I was just like, no, nah, that that wouldn't be my friend group because I just thought it was rude and insensitive, but as I said, I can see past different stuff like that, and I can I can see past stuff like that, and I can like still get along with people who have different views. You know, I was just finding good in them. But something was said where it's like, I know somebody jumped in to kind of like, somebody said something. Somebody said something and it was like kind of about to, kind of about to or try and check me about it. And I was just going to let it happen because I'm like, this happens a lot. You know, this happens. And I feel that I can't win with these type of situations because immediately this individual jumps in to defend this type of behavior. And I seem wrong, but I know I wasn't. But still at the same time, it's just like, just let it go. So I'm like, I'm going to my locker to get my coat. It's not enough time, so I feel like I'm being rushed. And it was this feeling, this feeling of like, okay, things could be easier right here, but I'm going to choose to fight my own battles. I think that's what it was, but I think, I don't know, at this point, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to discern what it, what these actual things are, but I was just like, no, I'm going to do it myself, but then I didn't, I didn't do it myself because it was a feeling of stress and and just going through this too much. And for a split second, I just thought about not having to do it for myself. Even if moving forward, I still will have to. And in that split second, I was just like going to my locker. I was on my way to my locker. And when I got to my locker... I was about to use my key. I was worried about having to, you know, hurry up and put my combination in my locker. But I was still going to do it. So, I guess at this point, I'm still fighting my own battles. But still, you know, I know that it's, it's more to it. Like, I will usually have to fight way more. Excuse me. But get to my locker, got the key, so it's easier, I could just unlock it, and I realized, when I reached into my pocket to look for the key, I pulled out my jacket, so I didn't have to go in my locker, my jacket was on the floor, I grabbed the jacket off the floor, and I was about to head to the back of the line, but I realized I lost my spot in line, I was right next to these girls, but I didn't want to go stand back next to them no more, because... I didn't want to create more issues. I didn't want to create more problems. Like, I go stand over there and then, 
you know, they already kind of riled up about words that was about to, that was, you know, words that were said to each other. And I'm like, about to go stand in the back of the line like it's cool, I just wait. And then that's when I was just like, just got this feeling like, no, go, go to the front. When I went to the front, what I realized was the teacher, she was going to let me through. But I was like, I straight just cut in front of somebody and I felt like it was rude. So I was going to wait until it wasn't rude, until like, you know, it was like a space in between someone else so she can check my ticket real fast. And I don't feel like I'm just, you know, cutting somebody off because I feel like that's rude. And then I saw the look on this teacher's face. And the look on her face just said, like, you know, like, please. And I was, you know, comforted by that for a second because I realized, like, she's siding with me on this. She's siding with me. And then on the way out the door, all I hear is a music and a song. And I can hear girls in the background hyping it up like, right size, right size, right size, yep, right size. And I was like, oh, so it's about size. Like, okay, I did notice her height. But, you know, usually this happens when it's somebody around me and something happens. And I'm just like, I don't think I, I'm, I'm usually picking a fight or argument or anything but it's just like somebody has to step in and be like or somebody decides to step in and be like actually you know I like this and I like that you know just to kind of like tick me off and it's like then they like and you mad and you mad because such and such and I'm like I'm not even mad actually I wouldn't want that to happen on either end. I wouldn't want nobody to be judged or mistreated for their size or things of that nature on either side. If I stuck up for it, it's not because I wanted to be, I wanted to go my way. I stuck up for it because I just don't feel like that's the right thing to do either way. And I'm just dealing with a situation where it's like, you know, more things it just feel like it's is just coming becoming more clear to me where you know, I've been noticing this, but it's somebody it's somebody's individual who is like always trying to bully me. Always trying to bully me. And I'm like, because I can't be bullied, I won't allow you to bully me, you know. I got to go through all this extra trouble. And it's like, I never want to find extra issues with people in the world because I'm already dealing with a 24-7 bully. And I don't, I know how to deal with this. I know how to handle this, but it's like, I can never find extra issues with someone else outside because this person is always looking for another opportunity to bully me. And so... When I find extra issues with people outside, it just adds to it. I already have a whole gang of people ready to bully me at all times. And they're always looking for an opportunity. And so when whenever I get into it with anybody else, I'm like, it's not worth it. No matter what it is they say or do to me, it's not worth it. Because 
this person is going to say, oh, look, you know, she got into it with somebody. So now let's, you know, all jump her together. And I'm just like, I can't even do it. I can't, I can't even, I can, I can handle myself and I, I will be able to handle myself. But it's like, I've, it's just happened to me on so many different occasions where I'm out and about in this world and, you know, just every random person walking down the street want to start cursing me out and saying different stuff to me like the whole world is jumping me at once it's been going on for a while now so it's like I have to avoid issues but it's okay because it's all working out for God's good God is using the situation to give me everything I prayed for like patience a better attitude and you know being able to work well around individuals who make it difficult for me to work so God is restoring me in so many different ways, but so I'm 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 seeing that this is how it has to happen for me to have a better attitude, for me to become the woman I will one day be. Nevertheless, does that completely, you know, justify the individuals, their behavior and the way that they decide to do to do these things? Because I've always said throughout this entire process, like. I mean, yes, this is being used to make me better, and I'm I'm learning to be better in a situation. God is turning bad around for good, but does this? It doesn't have to happen that way. It doesn't have to be done in this manner. Like, you know, it just doesn't feel smart for someone to torture you into a certain kind of behavior because, in the at the end of the day, it wasn't a choice you made. It was torture. So when it comes down to it, it's always the possibility that as soon as this individual is not around torturing you anymore, you may possibly revert back to whatever behavior you are participating in before finally feeling free of their torture. It's just not smart. But I've told myself and I've, you know, I've allowed God to guide me regardless. And I say I'm not going to let these individuals somehow ruin an opportunity for me to be made better just just because of how they decided to do it and the thing about that is you know I knew that everything would work out in, in, in due time and that I would see justice in this situation because honestly after a while of this I honestly started to pick up on the fact like do you even really intend to help me are you really intending to help me I don't think that your intent ever was to help me and even after I explained it to you how you know it's not an effective way to help someone anyways you still decided to do it that way it's not for me you're not for me you're not doing this for my benefit you're behaving in this manner in hopes that you will have somehow either played a part in the work that God is going to do in me regardless. And it will have, I won't say it will have nothing to do with you, or how you participated, but you all the credit will still be given to God. You will not take that credit from him. And also, you know, hope you're hoping that, you know, you can somehow ruin the progress as whole as a whole. Like if I participate in this way, if I do it this way, you know, one or two things can happen. One thing can happen is like you 
are, you know, tortured or abused into a certain behavior and it ultimately ruins you forever because you flip and you turn around and, and you start to, you know, behave in a manner where you're feeling as if you have to rebel against it as a whole. And I would really love that. I'd really love if I could ruin your chances at, at, at ever being this type of individual, ever being a better person. And then, or on the other hand, you're hoping that you could take some credit for it or work that God is going to do in me regardless of how you decide to act, even despite how I told you, you know, how it affects someone. What's the, what's the overall effect or the overall, you know, what are the overall effects of, of whatever it is that you have, you are intending to do? And that's assuming that someone even cares, you know. But the fact of the matter is, like, it's not smart. It's just not smart. If you torture someone into behaving in a certain kind of way, you would have to be there for the rest of their lives to torture them and to remain in that way. And I just don't necessarily feel like that's smart because, like, who's going to allow you to torture them for the rest of their lives? You know, yes, that person can decide to become a better person and not let you affect them. And they can grow past it and become the kind of person that, you know, becomes unbothered, immovable. And so I see an opportunity with that in God. But on the other hand, what can happen is you can really push someone over the edge and then put your own self in danger. Because someone can, despite, you know, being made a better person, they can say, well, I've the work is being done in me. And, you know, I know everything will work out for me. But you, you have to go. You can't stay here that way. You're abusive. And you will force somebody to, you know, have to stand up and, and get rid of you out of their lives forever. That will, that will be the outcome. And... I just felt like, you know, I just felt like, you know, I don't want, I don't want that to have to happen. I don't want that to have to happen because first of all, I trust God and I don't want to take things into my own hands. Vengeance is mine, said the Lord, and I don't want for, you know, different individuals to try and push me into taking things into my own hands because it would only prove them right. I know that overall they are believing like no one could withstand all of this pressure and still, you know, trust God to handle everything for them. You will have, you know, decided to take it into your own hands and you will have done something to me and that's exactly what I want so I can prove or disprove your character or your destiny keep you from it in some way well I I, I acknowledge this and I still know and I had gotten a reminder earlier that I don't I don't really have anybody that's my real friend nobody's really for me because when it comes down to it, nobody wants what God wants for me. Nobody really wants me to have this. And when, you know, there's different opportunities 
to propel me forward into my destiny, which will not be stopped one way or another. You know, people step in in whatever way they can in order to not lose control or manipulation over me. It shows up in so many different forms. Sometimes it shows up in, you know, the act of defending you. And it's like you weren't defending me. You were preventing the outcome of that situation by using a manipulation tactic. You believe that if you defended me, that I would somehow become codependent on that behavior and always need you. Because maybe you see me as someone that you would want me to need. A lot of times people want to make independent people codependents because it makes them feel big. It makes them feel powerful. It makes them feel like they have, you know, won something. They see a challenge. The power that they get from someone who would have done it themselves or possibly even done it themselves better than you could do it. And they are somehow manipulating you or controlling you into them doing it for you. You know, the like some people thrive off of this power. They need it. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it, especially as a woman. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. As a woman, you know, when men assume that you are supposed to depend on them. Like the Bible says that the man, you know, first of all, God is your provider. But that the man should lead the woman and the woman should allow the man to lead. I can allow a man to lead as long as, you know, God is doing the work in me and inside of this man. I can allow him to lead. But the issue is when you won't allow me to be, reach my full potential in order to make yourself feel better. That would never be a man who could lead me. A good leader is 100% okay with you reaching your full potential in God. He's going to help you get there. He's never going to feel intimidated or need a codependent. And still be able to provide for you, you know, effectively. So I was, little things like this are still a blessing because God exposes who won't be there, who are not, who's not for you, you know. You'll know when God sent you someone that you're meant to be with by their fruits. You'll know them by their fruits. And their fruits are, in my my occasion, in my opinion, you know, you know God. So you should know the position I will end up in with them. You're in full support of that position. And it doesn't intimidate you in the slightest. It doesn't hinder you or stop you from being your best self in God. We support each other. And if God so decides to make me a woman that leads, could you handle that? Because God is perfect. He can make me a woman that leads and also can submit to a leader in a relationship, in a man. So if you can't trust that, if you if that intimidates you, you don't trust God. You don't choose him before a relationship. You don't choose him before me. And I don't feel that God will send you. I mean, possibly you would, but that work still needs to be done. So that's what I've been saying. You know, I've been dealing with this for a while. So it's like it doesn't come up in conversation anymore because it's been going on for so long. At this point, I just fight it and I just deal with it. But 
I've been saying this from the jump, like in the beginning, this is something that came up in conversation constantly, constantly it came up in conversation, like, you know, you, you don't really want me in a position that God wants me in, and it's not just one person, it's a few people, it's a whole operation, and not only that, you know, you thrive off the idea of somehow knowing that I was meant for so much more, something so much greater, but instead I put all that to the side or gave all that up to be your little wife or just, uh, you know, homemaker. But the thing about that situation, and this is the thing because my mindset is, you know, if you truly have a man sent from God to you, you know, is it, is it really such a horrible thing to give up certain things or certain dreams in order to appease that man? If that's who God sent. You know, I think that giving up the dreams part is an issue. If God placed a dream in your heart, that man should support that. But at the end of the day, as far as, you know, being someone's wife and being able to submit to their leadership and building the home, like these are always things I wanted to do. I just want to do it all. And if God has promised me that I will, you know, why would I give that up? Like, are you intimidated about my, you know, destiny? Are you intimidated about my destiny? Because if you're intimidated by it, you can't possibly be a part of it. That's going to happen regardless. Do you think God would keep someone there who who doesn't want me to get there? If he does, then that must mean that you're going to change and you're going to have to come to, you know, some sort of understanding about, you know, me getting to my destiny and being full support of that. And I understand change. I understand having work that needs to be done. I understand not being perfect right now. I understand growth. So I can understand that. But just someone who, you know, they just, they don't feel that they're wrong. They don't see the wrong in it. They don't ever want to change. And I don't even like talking in that manner because God, he surprises you. You think you're never going to change. You think you never will see a reason to do something. You think you never see wrong in something. And the next morning or the next day or in the next second, God just change your heart. This is, you know, how God works. So I wouldn't even like bank on something of that of that nature. But it's just like still, you know. I've been pressured so much throughout this entire situation to, you know, accept less than what I deserve, accept less than what God is offering. And why would I ever do that if God is still offering it? Like, the fact of the matter is, you know, whether you agree with a woman, you know, supporting herself and being independent and being a go-getter and being, you know, financially stable on her own or being talented or 
successful on her own, you know, it's still not okay if you expect her to get that up for you. It's not okay. Because if you really agree with it, then you agree with it. Why should she ever have to give it up? Would you want a woman who wanted you to give up your success or accomplishments in order to appease her? You resent her. You resent her. That's where resentment comes from. You should never allow someone to make you give up on something. They won't even respect you after you do. It'll serve them for as long as they are constantly reminded that you could be doing better. And that right there is a power struggle. So I saw it like this. When I recognized it, when I realized it, I saw it like this. A certain men, they go after women who are out of their leagues. And as long as you're out of his league, he's 100% interested in you and willing to submit to you. But as long as you're out of his league, you resent him for, you know, being okay with that. Why are you okay with me being out of your league? It's another story when you are going to constantly and consistently keep pushing to be a better person. And then that's a whole nother story when you want to prevent that person from still reaching the, reaching the goals in their life. But, you know, why is it okay for a man to want a woman out of her league and expect for her to submit that over to them? And it's never okay for a woman to want a man out of their league and submit that over to them. It's a double standard. And, you know, I'm, I feel so revolutionary like Jesus Christ. I really do. Jesus, Jesus is and was always a revolutionary. And when Jesus was alive, they, they stoned the woman that they caught in, a, in the act of adultery. And they let the man walk away. And the law was the same for just adultery as a whole. It didn't say a woman caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. It said man or woman caught in the act of adultery should be stoned. They took the woman. Like, the woman that they caught was literally caught in the act. So the man was there. They let him walk away and go back home to his wife. But the woman, they decided to stone they came and asked Jesus, who, of course, innocent, sinless, never broken a law or a rule, that, you know, in God's, in God's view. Because sometimes our laws and our rules here do not, you know, coincide with the, with the word of God. And so that's not necessarily breaking anything. But they they were trying to catch Jesus and trying to get him to, you know, admit he was breaking the laws. Because as the Bible says, Jesus told them, you do not know my father. If you knew my father, you would know who I am. You would know that I'm the son of God. They didn't know God. So when they believed that Jesus was breaking the laws, like healing on the Sabbath, and, you know, forgiving sins and referring to himself as the Messiah, you know, son of God. They 
they were wrong, regardless of what their law said. He is the son of God. He did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And it looked a lot different than what the Bible was teaching, you know, in the Old Testament, like eye for an eye. When Jesus says, forgive your brother. Jesus was not abolishing laws, but fulfilling them. And he had every right to do so. So when they brought this woman to him to stone her for being caught in the act of adultery, immediately he asked them who there was without sin. And this is just, you know, a reminder to me. It's a reminder that, you know, Jesus was a revolutionary. Jesus is a revolutionary. And I believe that what he's doing with my story and my testimony is revolutionary. And so it's going to be a lot of people who are going to feel like those Pharisees and those scribes, like they're doing the will of God, like they're fully right and persecuting and crucifying me. But as long as I'm persecuted and crucified in Jesus' name, because I know God, you know, I'm with God when people treat me all kinds of ways and I say God why why do I have to go through this why am I being treated this way and God says I do not know them they do not know me and so he says they're bastards so these are the same people who believe that they are fulfilling the will of God who believe that they are abiding by the commandments you're wrong. You are wrong. And oftentimes, just like those Pharisees and those scribes, it's hard for you to see past your own conceit. These Pharisees and these scribes called themselves Moses' disciples. But everything they did was vain. They, the Bible says that they they stood in large crowds with long prayers in order to look as if they were appeasing God when they did not know him. And this is why he says, go into your closet in your quiet place and you pray to your father in secret and he rewards you greatly. A lot of these people, they do things for show. It's a big show. I'm, I'm right Everybody feels like I'm right and everybody got my back and everybody's going to stand on my side about it. But to God, you're wrong. You're just wrong. And I'd rather be right to God in private than wrong in public. That's what it is. And you know what? I also want to add that it's a lot of, you know, supposedly God-fearing men who I've had to deal with in this situation because they believe that a woman shouldn't be in the position that God is raising me up in. And it's difficult. It's hard. Just like it was for Jesus, he would not expect any less of me. He overcame temptation so that I can. He overcame persecution so that I can. You know, he never said that I won't face persecution, but that I will overcome it because he has already overcome it for me. He died for me. So I should be able to die for him. That being said, these individuals, you know, 
they don't want to see what God is doing. He's such a revolutionary. I love Jesus. I love Jesus because he stood up for this woman. He checked them. You know, yes, the yes, your law says that you're supposed to stone someone caught in the act of adultery. But are any of you even in a position to throw a stone? First and foremost, because if so, he will be the only person who could stone you right now. And he's choosing not to. And Jesus knows all sin. So, of course, he knew each and every single last individual and what they would be stoned for. This is how revolutionary Jesus is and and was. And I believe that he's doing the same thing inside of me right now. I am a revolutionary because my father in heaven is a revolutionary because my Lord and Savior is revolutionary. And no one's going to be able to stop God's will for my life. So all these extra efforts of, you know, manipulation and control and, you know, just the fear, the fear of the future that they see. So many of these things were done to Jesus out of fear of him and jealousy. You know, they feared Jesus. They feared what he was there to do. They feared the messages that he was sending, the messages that he was preaching. They feared it. They fear me. I intimidate them. They act as if they can handle me. They act as if I'm not a, you know, I'm not someone that that would intimidate them they act as if I am not a problem but I'm a problem to them because I'm a woman and as a woman I deserve the same I deserve an opportunity to fulfill God's will on my life Despite the fact that not a lot of women will have ever be seen in that position. And just because all the women before me or even every woman after me possibly will have never stood in that position, stood in a position similar to the position that God is raising me up to be in does not justify men who believe that they are allowed to gatekeep these things when God has already anointed my life and prophesied over it. Doesn't make that okay. Doesn't make them, you know, within full rights or justified in doing so. This is why you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because you read the word and you feel as if you're fulfilling those fulfilling those words of God but if you don't speak to the Lord and have a real relationship with him you won't know what it is he really said what are you really doing because each and every single day that I am reading my Bible and I'm listening to the words of God it's a different word same words but a different word this what comes with actually having a real relationship with God you can read the same words Every day for the rest of your life. And it will mean a different thing every day. You have to have that real relationship. Otherwise you will reject the people he sends. 
And one thing, another thing you should know about Jesus Christ, he loves a reject. Jesus loves a reject. Jesus loves an outcast. Jesus loves a, you know, odd man. He loves them because they call him weird. They call him crazy. They called him, you know, all kinds of things. And they tried to isolate Jesus Christ. Everybody stood against Jesus. Well, not everybody. But majority of people... Majority of people felt that they were right and standing against Jesus. And they ended up crucifying the Son of God. But that's okay because Satan used them to walk Jesus right up to his victory. And that's what they're going to do. They're trying to keep me from my victory. They're going to walk me right up to it. Jesus already anointed my life. There's nothing that they can change or do about that. Regardless of how they feel about it. You know, Mary was a prostitute. Mary was possessed by seven different demons, and Jesus still loved her the same. And when she cried over his feet, washed his feet with her tears and her hair, and then anointed them with oil, Jesus promised that she would go down in history for that. Jesus promised. You know, Jesus, well, excuse me, Jesus acknowledged how humble yet beautiful and powerful her act was. That's what he's doing in my life. That's what Jesus is doing in my life. When there's people around like these Pharisees and these scribes who immediately they're drawn to saying, Do you know who this woman is? She's a sinner. When I'm crying at Jesus' feet, they're calling me a sinner. They're, They're talking about my past. They're talking about all the things that I've done wrong. And Jesus is still, you know, standing up for me and saying, you know, checking them instead. That's who Jesus is. He's saying, What did you do? When I came in here, you didn't offer me water for my feet to wash them. But she's washing my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And you, you're judging. So it's quite clear that Jesus' attitude is if you don't accept me, you don't accept, excuse me, if you don't accept Her, you don't accept me. If you don't accept him, you don't accept me. Whatever you do to somebody else, you do to God. I have work to do, but that still does not justify, you know, the judgment and the torture and torment that I face on a daily basis just for trying to better myself in God and fulfill his will on my life. It's ridiculous But I have Jesus. Excuse me, the Messiah, the risen king, the strongest, most powerful man to have ever existed. 
I have him, you know, right beside me at all times. And everything, guiding me. Blessing every step that I take, every breath that I breathe, every thought that I think. He's blessing everything. So I, I, will, I will never fear this world. You know, this world rejected my Jesus and my Jesus was perfect, is perfect. So am I supposed to feel bad about the rejection? The Bible says, when you are a friend of God, you are an enemy of this world. And so as long as I'm an enemy of this world, I know that Jesus is my friend. That's what it is. These individuals, they they feel that they're right. And what can you say? The judgments that they cast, the judgments that they make, you know, they're right in their own eyes. But the blind cannot lead the blind. And Jesus, he's a physician. He's a healer. He cures blindness. If you allow him to, you have to believe. So, it's difficult for me because, as I said, sometimes I feel so alone in this world. I don't have anybody in this world that actually supports God's destiny for my life, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have it. The extra added efforts 24-7 to somehow destroy my, you know, chances at a future. It's only confirmation of what God is going to do in and through my life. I love. I love the revolutionary, you know. Things he's doing and has planned for me. As I said, I saw myself standing in a position that no woman before me had ever been in with a group of men who supported that. In an entire community, millions of people who also supported that because they supported God. So the fact of the matter is what it comes down to is the people who are meant to see, the people who are meant to be there, the people who are meant to hear will be. Everyone else, they do not matter. They do not matter. They play a part. They're necessary for growth. They're necessary to adversity will grow you, be turned around for God's good. But they do not, they do not ultimately, you know, count as a vote. As if votes matter when God has already predestined your life. So this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm facing. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing in in, in all the little details. I see it in so many different individuals. I, I catch it. And when I catch it, they just torture me more for knowing it. Or they try and discredit it and make it seem as if, you know, I'm making this stuff up. Or that, you know, they disregard it. Like, it's amazing to me how i've been saying this for so long and now just now someone is just like oh i see it and they still don't see it so that being said you know i understand that there's an agenda there's an agenda to prevent this from happening 
You know, why would there be such an agenda to prevent a woman from reaching a certain level? Why would there be an agenda to prevent a woman from being in a higher level than any man? You know, understanding the fact that no woman has even made it to certain levels with the men right underneath. Why is there an agenda for that? You know, obviously God doesn't feel like that's right. But this is why I love Jesus, because woman or man, if you can be used, you will be used. He's not going to discriminate. He's not going to judge from your past. He forgives you. He loves you. And he chose you. That's what it is. Anyone with an issue with that, they're going to have to take it up with God. And it's not as if they can change his mind. So I love that. I love that the real support comes from Jesus Christ himself. And even if the whole world is against you, that does not make it right. So that being said, I don't have to wait for anyone to see it. I don't have to wait for anybody to agree with it. God already agrees with it. I didn't call myself to this level. He called me. I'm accepting and I'm heeding that call. Anyone who doesn't or or won't. They will have to deal with God at the end of the day. Excuse me, because when it comes down to it, God said, you know, I am the only one in position to judge and I don't. So why is everybody so judgmental? Why does everybody have an opinion? Why do people place themselves in a position as judges? They sit in false thrones as if they are God. And there's one God. Only one God I serve. Everyone outside of that is a fraud. You're a fraud. And your your father is Satan. You're a bastard. You do not. You do not know my father. Because my father sent me here. I know for a fact because I'm being transformed. And only my father could perform these type of miracles. I know my father. So. I don't have to answer to these individuals. And their judgmental ways. Feeling as if they're more right than God is. Or not even knowing him, you know, and somehow pretending as if he speaks through them. I know he speaks through me. I know my future. I've seen it. I genuinely believe a lot of people, even despite them possibly not even understanding or agreeing with this process, I genuinely believe that they see it too. A lot of people are in denial. A lot of people don't want to see it. But that won't change what's going on. Close your eyes or open them. It's still happening. So, that being said, you know, it's difficult what I face and what I'm dealing with. But I feel better, 
you know, knowing that Jesus got my back. Always have and always will. He's proving. No one can stop his will. He's proving his power. Excuse me. And, you know, why would Jesus ever agree? I want to say, what? why would Jesus ever agree? But why are there people who don't want certain wonderful, amazing, marvelous things to happen in this world just because of who's doing it? I said this analogy before, but I'll say it again. If you were trapped in a burning building, and it was about to burn down. Would you burn down with it just because of who was sent to save you? And if so, what is that? What are you proving? You just burned down with the building. So, that is, you know. It's always heartbreaking to see some people are willing to burn down with the building just because they wouldn't want to have been saved by who was sent. But at the end of the day, you know, they chose their fate. They chose that. And if you don't believe that these things are happening, Ask the Pharisees and the scribes that crucified Jesus for absolutely no reason that brought up false charges and accusations against them. Ask all of the people who voted and vouched for these false accusations. Ask Judas, who walked with Jesus and saw him perform many miracles, yet traded him over for money. You want to burn down with that building? It's burning. You know, Jesus is always going to send, you know, help. But if you won't receive the help because it's not the help that you want, you just won't be helped. That's what it is. He's merciful, he's gracious, and he's forgiving. He'll always do his best to understand. He'll always understand you. He doesn't have to do his best. He'll understand you, but he'll always do his best for you. If you don't want his best, if you don't want his help, if you don't want it done, if you don't want it because the way it's being done, then that's on you. I've had to come to this realization. It requires growth. And I've been told in a process of this so many times that I am so young-minded. But God has given me wisdom like Solomon. So what does a young mind have to do with it? Yes, I have work to do. Yes, I have. You know, I will continue to grow. I'm not who I will be. Not 100% quite yet. But what I do know is that my age has absolutely nothing to do with it. Solomon was a young king, but also the best king that Israel has ever seen, the most wise king that Israel has ever seen. So, 
when God gives wisdom, there's no fault found. He's perfect. And age will never hinder that. So, all I have to do is keep trusting God and continue to allow him to do the work in me. And let the doubters doubt. Because they, at the end of the day, can never stop anything God is doing in my life. They will only stop themselves from being present in the and the overall outcome. So let people.